Welcome along to the latest Mole Valley podcast. Well, 2022 has certainly thrown up some challenges with feeding forage to livestock and safeguarding soil conditions, with summer droughts causing shortages and the warm, wet autumn leading to extended grazing times. As farmers move through the winter, there are some important health considerations to take on board, both for the livestock and the soil. Mole Care Farm Vets Andy Adler and Mole Valley Farmers Head of Grassland and Forage Agronomy Lisa Hamley offer top advice now on overcoming the challenges this winter. Here's what's coming. Every year we normally get a phone call from a farmer in about, this, well, in about a week's time saying, oh, I've got lots of sick animals. And you go, what are you feeding them? They go, oh, forage crop. And, and I just put them in there yesterday. And you're like, yeah, well, you need to introduce it to them slowly because their rumours aren't adapted to that forage crop. Sheep are actually a great uh, cultural control. So although we can't do anything as an agronomist through the winter, the sheep can actually do a really good job of tidying up those lays, nipping out those seedling weeds that are out there. The real opportunity for beef and sheep farmers to engage with the veterinary industry, create a herd health plan. So let's get into it. These important health considerations to take on board, both for the livestock and for our soil. Hi Lisa, hi Andy, delighted to have you along for the Mole Valley podcast today. Lisa, this isn't your first time, but still, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I'm Lisa Hambly, Head of Grassland and Forage Agronomy uh, for Mole Valley Farmers. Um, yeah, so it's not my first time, but it is my first time on this conversation, Seth, so looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. Welcome along. And uh, for you, Andy? Yeah, hi, my name's Andy Adler. I'm the veterinary director for the um, farm animal veterinary practice within Mole Valley Farmers. Um, I've been a sort of clinician for 20 odd years and now I spend time um, managing the vet practice and working to bring all the various parts of Mole Valley together to sort of start to deliver the power of a mole and, and get agronomists um, vets, nutritionists and the retail sectors working together so we can really deliver value for our farmer shareholder customers. Fantastic. Thank you uh, for joining us, Andy. So we're going to be talking about animal health and forage considerations as we go into this autumn and winter period. We'll be looking at things such as the effect of this late growth of grass, what the challenges that we're going to be seeing this uh, autumn and winter, uh, particularly sort of health challenges that are coming up. And as you've heard from the introductions, we've got two experts here to help us, guide us on this journey. So let's just kick off then, shall we, about what this year has meant, because I guess the summer drought that we had has got a consideration now, hasn't it, into, into what we're seeing out there on farm right now? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think from a forage point of view, there was, you know, um, the drought going through the summer period, um, which meant actually that there was lots of nutrients stored in the soil. Um, as soon as we had some rain and the warm soils, it really started growing. So there was lots of late availability for grass um, and forage crops, actually. And um, yeah, it's only just started to slow down now with the cold weather. So there's been lots of opportunity for late grazing. Um, and I suppose after a very um, short um, supply over the summer could be causing some problems, which is why it's so great to have Andy um, to discuss these things with. Yeah, it, it, Seth, it's, it's one of those things. Um, what's been surprising this year, although there was very little grass growth in the summer because of a drought, is this autumn has really made up for it. I mean, I've never seen so much grass in the late 
autumn period um, and I actually I was walking through some cows uh, at the weekend and, and they're in really good nick they're in good condition because they've had all this autumn autumn, autumn growth so although there could be some health challenges out there I think there are also some some benefits as well. Yeah, I mean, anyone just needs to go and look in your garden as well, don't you? You know, for people who aren't necessarily based on farm, the weeds are still growing. Everything um, is still growing. And as you say, we're recording this at the beginning of December and only now is the cold snap coming in. But um, Andy, what has been the effect then of this late growth of grass? Uh, well, I think there's been various effects. I think the interesting thing is if you look at October's milk um, production, up 3%, highest October milk production there's ever been in the UK. Um, and we don't really understand why completely. We, we, we know that there's been a slight change in calving pattern, so there are more cows calving in autumn, but we also feel there's an awful lot of grass out there. So, so farmers have kept their cows out longer this year, and that's enabled them to, to, to milk better. So there's been some really positive effects. More milk could create some issue, issues with price longer term, uh, and we have to wait to see what will happen um, over the winter, as as the animals now coming in later, those autumn calving herds will need to be in and on a settled diet by now because they need to be starting mating. Um, but that grass was pretty high quality. However, now we'll be in a situation where the the dry matter will be decreasing rapidly. So actually, all they're eating is green is green water, um, and so now's the time to bring animals in now. Dairy cows will mostly be in now. Um, the spring calving cows will still be out on, on, on once a day milking or possibly twice a day milking if they've got good tracks. Um, however, that the dairy heifers and the followers will still be out. Sheep will still be out and beef will still be out. So there's still lots of animals who are out at grass um, and farmers just need to be aware of the quality of the grass they're feeding and the amount of grass they're feeding because this year there'll be some pieces around the fact that there is lots of grass there and there will be some health challenges about without that um with things that are fluke and, and weeds to think about um lisa how do you view it from an agronomist point of view um i think yeah so there's a couple of things in that like uh seth mentioned you know weeds have actually still been growing um so there's uh lots of um potential for uh weed cup weed cover or weed um infestations within new lays for example or even older lays because they were so droughted out during the summer so they were poor growth can't actually do anything at this time of year so now's the time to kind of i suppose have a walk round look at those ones that are going to be really challenged for the for the spring um and the other point is the soil health matter you know if you've got cows out or or winter grazing because some forages will have been short then you know be mindful of compaction um in those areas so moving them across the paddocks or the area that you're grazing frequently so that they're not doing too much jab too much damage um and also just mindful of waterways so not not allowing you know cows to congregate around those areas which could um you know put soil into into waterways so i think those are the two things at this time of the year i'd be thinking about and i suppose lisa you've also got to throw your head again forward to spring haven't you yeah definitely um you know the challenge is to say for those weeds coming in so I had a, you know, a interesting thing thought through. I'm an agronomist, so I think about weeds quite a bit, probably more than other people. Um, but, you know, uh, thistles is an interesting one. And it was interesting having a conversation with Andy because, you know, thistles in sheep grazing in particular can cause increased in off. 
Um, and, you know, I said to Andy about that, he said, oh, that's interesting. Well, because the thistles, they'll graze round them and they scratch in the sheep or, or cows, um, you know, but they scratch them on the, on the nose. Um, so, you know, particular thistles, which have had a great summer last year, um, will want to be controlled. Um, in new lays, chickweed is a big problem for two reasons. One, that they outcompete the grass. So, you you know, your baby new lay that's in there can be smothered by chickweed. And the second thing is that they're very high in nitrogen. So um, they, you know, they can cause uh, stomach upsets um, and potentially, uh, you know, increasing animal health issues. Uh, sheep are actually a great uh, cultural control. So although we can't do anything as an agronomist through the winter, the sheep can actually do a really good job of tidying up those lays, nipping out those seedling weeds that are out there. And I think, Lisa, you know, with some of those things that you mentioned, there are some health issues around that... Um... People just need to be aware of, I guess. I guess the key thing around thistles is off um, and um, and how we control off. And, and if farms have got off um, that can cause lesions on, on lambs' mouths or on ewes' um, udders, um, if, if they know they've got off and then there's a, there's a high-quality vaccine available that, that can that can stop the clinical signs of off and make them feel, feel okay. Um, but I think the other thing that always... Um, happens at this time of year is is that sheep can get schooled which is an infection um, in their feet and it's from standing in wet ground um, and so thinking about school prevention is quite important um, and making sure the sheep aren't um, standing in wet ground the whole time um, one of the things that I used to sort of talk to my clients about was to put lime um, across doorway across um, doorways gateways um, and around water troughs so that when they're coming to drink some water or when they're moving from one field to another they actually get some um, high pH um, lime which actually will kill the, the skull bacteria on their feet um, and will help to start to control that lameness piece so there is i think the, the key thing about here there is stuff that farmers can do to help prevent those diseases and those problems that you see in in, in the sheep um due to due to this late autumn flush because as you, as you say i agree there's going to be um in farming, you have a thing called keep, and a lot of dairy cows will get sheep on keep. And, and I can see a lot of dairy farms wanting some sheep this year on keep to just control that grass and get that under control. Um, so I think orphan scold are things that, that can be controlled. I think the other things that I've been rung up a fair few times about this this autumn have been acorn poisoning. Um, and apparently what happened was um, because the summer was dry, there was quite a lot of acorns were made. And then because we had then had the storms, after that, a lot of green acorns came down. I think now in December, it's unlikely that anyone see any acorn poisoning now. But if they've got sick animals and there's lots of and they're near acorn trees, it's something they should be considering. And what about other things as well, Andy, like ragwort? Yeah, ragwort. Um, I don't know how much ragwort there was this year. There was certainly a bit in the summer. Um, the thing about ragwort is it's all about whether it's been ensiled in grass silage. Um, and rag animals don't eat ragwort as a, as a whole. But um, if it's been ensiled, if someone's actually um, made some silage with ragwort in the field back in the summer uh, and then they feed their animals, it takes a long time for it, it to become quite serious. Um, however, 
you should never feed ensiled ragwort. I once had to deal with a farm where they had a lot of ensiled ragwort and, and, and unfortunately a lot of animals suffered significantly on that farm and, and that farm had a very bad winter. So if you've got ragwort in your um, silage, don't feed it. It's, it's, it's quite dangerous. But that'll be a summer. That'll be from the summer, but it'll be there now. Um, so that's the other. Other potential health issues at this time of year, Seth, I think... Um, I think with cows in, I think the things that I'm always aware of this time of year is, is now they're in is, is acidosis and, and are and are they um, are they scaring? Um, and so keeping an eye out for acidosis and, and, and working with your nutritionist to make sure that you've got a sensible um, fiber mix in, in, in their in their food. Um, haven't heard too much of it this year, um, but there is around. And then normally in winter we get we get winter scares coming through. Um, again, I haven't had any reports yet, but that doesn't mean that it won't come through. Um, normally by by certainly by January I'd be hearing I'd have nutritionists giving me a ring going, Andy, what do we do? We've got all these uh, all these cows scaring in our in our in our herds. What can we do about it? Um, and um, the problem with with winter dysentery is you've got to understand what's causing it. Um, sometimes it has to go through the herd and often it's just the heifers who get it um, but these are the things that farmers will need to keep an eye out the key thing around um, a loose cow is that we can do stuff about acidosis you can talk to nutritionists you can talk to a vet and we can make sure that you, the nutrition is appropriate so that they don't get sick do you think um, that they might be tempted you know with some forage stocks being short to cut back on forage and that would then cause you know a knock-on effect essentially to um, you know causing acidosis yeah, I think it's it's possible, Lisa. I think that is. I think every farm's different, um, and every farm is different, and different farms have different levels of forage stock. Um, I think this late autumn has been a bit of a get out of jail free card for a lot of farmers because suddenly there's been an awful lot more grass out there than there would normally be at this time of year so they haven't had to bring their animals in but it will be different on every single farm. Uh, obviously, if you are short of forage and you do need to feed some concentrate to substitute for that, that's no problem at all, as long as you're doing it in a planned, thought-about way. And so that's where the value of a nutritionist gets some advice about that, rather than wait until middle of February and, and pray for a um, praying for an early turnout, which some farmers do, and then suddenly find themselves in a bit of a mess because they haven't got any, any forage. And so there are things we can be doing now to plan for the spring um, and measuring the amount of forage you've got and understanding how that's going to be fed is really, really important to, have, to maintain the health of, of, of those animals. I think I'd probably add a little bit into that as well, as you know, part of that planning is walking those fields, you know, come the spring and, well, not even spring, just wait and, you know, January, February, plan those fertiliser applications because, you know, if you're not getting out early, then you're not going to get the most benefit from you know, nitrogen use or even, you know, if you haven't got nitrogen and you're organic, then your muck and slurry applications. So really having a plan for the spring, especially if you're getting short, because that way, if we, you know, once the ground warms up, you've got an opportunity there, which you wouldn't have had if you would have left it. Yeah, it's never worth um, taking much of a gamble, is it, with uh, the way that the seasons just, they don't seem to have any sense at the moment, do they? So, um, yeah, you, 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 sorry, Andy, carry on. No, no, Seth. I mean, like, the way that I describe it to most people now is the seasons have gone very lumpy. Um, <laughs> and and yeah. that's, that's the word I've sort of used, you know, it's either wet or it's dry. Um, I mean, we do, and now it's cold. I mean, it's, you know, the temperature now has dropped and, and actually grass growth now um, 
will it decrease significantly yeah. but the soil temperature is still Lisa do you know what soil temperature is currently it's still fairly warm I mean for the time of year we haven't had any we've had a couple of frosts but nothing major um to get that soil temperature down so yeah like you say the grass is still wanting to wanting to grow although the daylight hours have obviously got shorter but it turns around really quickly like I said it's December so it's going to be the new season in a minute and um yeah we're going to need to um come out flying I think for the spring and be ready for whatever it throws at us it could be cold it could be warm we just we just don't know so we just need to be prepared and before we get to that point Lisa, um, for the for this sort of winter period, what kind of challenges are you anticipating? Um, well, my main concerns, I suppose, are that um, yeah, the forages could be short, especially if the winter is um potentially going to you know could be a long one, could be a short one. We just don't know. So preparing for that. So um, you know, as part of that preparation for spring, getting the soil nutrients analyzed so making sure that you've got your soil samples up to date i know that it seems like um you know spring's going to be a long way off but all of a sudden you'll be wanting to put nutrients out and um you know having that in advance is you know prepare i would say excellent and um Addy, you mentioned a few of the uh the, the the health challenges there um any anything else that's sort of top of your list at the moment for winter? yeah no that's a good question Seth and I was just thinking about that and I think the thing that I haven't mentioned is um is probably fluke um fluke challenge um I haven't been very worried about fluke this year so far and I wasn't worried about it at all back in September because of such a dry summer and, and fluke need a an intermediate host which is a snail which has to live in wet ground obviously um and so I wasn't worried about it at all two months ago but now I think we've actually had a reasonable period where there has been some moisture around. Uh, it is certainly possible that, that snails have developed and it's certainly possible that animals now get fluke. So although I wasn't worried about animals coming in early with fluke, um, if they were housed in October, fluke probably wasn't such a big deal. But any any animals that are being housed from now on, um, I think testing for fluke and understanding your fluke risk is going to be important. Um, you know, th- and those animals which are kept out all winter, again, understanding your fluke risk with them is going to be very important the, the fluke is, is, the big determinant of fluke is 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 a 10 degree soil temperature um and normally the 10 degree soil temperature is often hit in november it's coming down below that this year it's 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 well, it's probably only happening now, I would guess, but we're beginning to come under un, un, under 10 degrees so fluke is definitely going to be a higher risk later on for animals kept out late in winter um and for that you need to talk to your sqps rammers um, and vets around controlling that and actually nowadays increasingly we're testing the animals first to see if they have fluke before we just we just treat them and i think that's a really positive positive piece so i think fluke's definitely a big one and i think the other other big thing as we come into winter is as um, animals go out onto forage crops um, and we've seen a lot of really great forage crops this year I mean if you've put some stubble turnips in in, in in August they look amazing now the problem with amazing looking stubble turnips is that they're slightly higher in energy than you expect and it's really important that you have some fibre as well when you feed that so that they have a, a back field with some fibre on it some hay or some straw or just grass but as long as there is some fibre there whilst you introduce them to that um, to that uh, forage crop 
um, so that they don't get acidosis in that forage crop. Uh, every year, we normally get a phone call from a farmer at about this, uh, in about a week's time saying, oh, I've got lots of sick animals. And you go, what are you feeding them? They go, oh, forage crop. And, and I just put them in there yesterday. And you're like, yeah, well, you need to introduce it to them slowly because their rumours aren't adapted to that forage crop. Yeah, that you know, Andy said, you know, they're really mature and um and they're looking fantastic, and there can be some um challenges with you know just putting them straight out there, and um they're going to be you know quite like Andy said high energy, but also potentially higher protein than they than they might have been because they've been able to uptake that nutrients from the soil, which a lot of it was left over from that dry summer. So that's I think one of the reasons why they look so good because there's a lot of mineralized nitrogen in the soil um which hadn't been used by um the previous cropping so um yeah to pay close attention when they first go in there and anything else from your perspective lisa in terms of uh the the winter challenges for crops and things um yeah just to say andy was saying you know there's a, there is a lot in there so i suppose managing how much you've got there um there might be more than you would generally put in front of them um and to really you know as you're planning on turning them in there have a look see how much energy you think or how much crop is there work out the numbers that you're putting in there because it might be mean that you need you know a few more I was just thinking of sheep in particular that to get through the same amount because it will go to um, maturity so you want to get through it before um, it gets too mature excellent stuff and uh, Andy amazing that you can almost set your your calendar by when these things are, are occurring. Um, so hopefully that's good advice for farmers listening who might not think they're going to get affected and then actually here you are, you're predicting what uh, what, what could occur. Um, but, but also, Andy, I understand as well that the government have now delayed the implementation of the export check. It's due to come in on the 13th of December. For those um, animal farmers, what, what effect is this going to have? <laughs> well, it's been an ongoing sort of vague discussion in the background for the last year and people have asked me about it and I haven't really understood what's been going on but I now have had to. Um, due to Brexit and due to changes in, in EU legislation, um, there was supposed to be a um, uh, an, e, an EU rule coming into market that meant that animals being sold at market um, for EU meat exports uh, we're going to have to have a vet on farm asset, doing what's called an asset station. In other words, saying, yes, vets have been on this farm in the last 12 months and we can we can show that we have seen these animals and they're healthy. That's a U- European-wide rule and there's quite a lot of um, European changes going on. Obviously, we, we're not involved in that. Um, the government's delayed the implementation of that for a year now and it was due to come in on the 13th of December. Um, and I... It's taken me a long while to understand what the effect that's going to have on farmers. But but talking to one of my other colleagues um, a few weeks ago, I hadn't realised that they're, they're actually sort of 40 to 50 percent of um, beef and sheep farm especially actually aren't red tractor approved. And so for those guys, if this had come in on the 13th of um, De- December, they would have ended up with a... a, a probably significantly lower price of their animals, sort of 5 to 10% lower, because their animals would have had to been sold to someone who had is red tractor approved and then sold on. So they basically weren't able to sell to the EU markets. But that also creates a big opportunity um, over the next year. Um, the government delayed the implementation of this until December 2023. And in the meantime, um, the government are bringing in the um, animal health and welfare pathway, which is part of the new... 
subsidy arrangements, I guess. Um, I think increasingly the government are moving away from giving subsidies based on owning animals, well, they've gave up owning the animals to land, um, and increasingly giving public money for what's called public money for public goods. Um, and so there's there's a piece of that public money is coming in called the animal health and welfare pathway. This was originally due to come in in the spring of this year, but it has been delayed um, and due to government change, it's been delayed a little bit more. However, I actually had a meeting about it last week and it looks like it is now going to come in in, in January of this year um, with increasing numbers of farmers being invited to apply for this animal health and welfare pathway. And what this pathway is going to allow is for farmers it's basically the government wanting to increase the herd and flock health of the UK livestock. And so the government are going to um, pay farmers to, 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 to have a yearly visit with vets um, and do various disease testing so we can start to increase the health of our, our flocks and our herds. Um, this is going to be starting in January all going well. Um, and by having a, uh, an animal health uh, and welfare pathway visit that's going to be part of the part of the attestation is what it's called of, of vets being on farm so there's a real opportunity for beef and sheep farmers to engage with the veterinary industry create a herd health plan um and and the other additional advantage of that is that once they engage in that it may well be that that may open some other funding government funding for some grants around improving animal health and welfare um, and equipment for that so there's some real by delaying it a year, and I suspect they've done it on purpose because the animal health, animal, this pathway money hasn't come through until now, so it's running a year late in effect. But there's some real opportunities in the next 12 months for farmers to engage with a vet and create some quality animal health plans and herd health plans that will allow us to, to deliver health rather than just reacting to disease. And I guess that's a really important point, isn't it? Because um, the veterinary industry has been sort of knocked a little bit... Uh... In, in regard to this so I guess anything that improves that situation must be a good thing yeah yeah well I mean I think um this EU legislation had been um I think it'd be fair to say slightly poorly planned for and I don't think we were all completely clear of what was going on and 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 in some respects it wouldn't have affected us because what would have happened was you'd have lots of grumpy farmers going to markets going why can't I sell my animals to that guy and there they're going well you haven't got this attestation and then they would have been ringing up the vets going but you've been on my farm doing this and it would have all been quite tense um you're right Steph it could have got quite tense so there's a real opportunity now in the next 12 months to decrease that tension get a proper health plan in place show that you've had vets on farm talking about these things, be able to then sell your animals on all, all the different markets out there. Um, and so it certainly gives an opportunity there for that to occur. And for those sheep and bee farmers, um, it tends to often be the smaller sheep and bee farmers to actually get a health plan in place and actually start managing their animals for health. I think with all of this stuff, you know, we've got to be aware of the the background of aiming the UK aiming for net zero in twenty fifty. Um, we're seeing a dairy industry which is which is rocketing ahead with sustainability and and decreasing carbon in in the amount of milk that they're in carbon in milk. And the beef and sheep industry is also having to do that. And so a big part of that is the animal health plan. We know that healthy flocks and healthy herds lead to lower carbon meat and dairy products. And so health is a really important part of strategy of improving the carbon efficiency of the, of the um, meat and dairy products that we produce and so um, this animal health and welfare pathway is going to really help farmers improve their sustainability and improve the um, the quality 
of the um, of the of the food that they produce, um, and and most importantly, improve the health and welfare of the animals they look after. And most farmers want to do that. Most farmers want to have really healthy, good-looking animals on their farm. Yeah, definitely so, Andy. And for you, Lisa, one sort of final takeaway item for you for uh, the sort of animal health and forage considerations this winter? Yeah, well, this is a nice one, Andy, actually, that um, I did a bit of research on. And um, the SRUC have done some um, looking at uh, nitrogen levels, because obviously last year with the nitrogen prices being so high, a lot of people didn't use nitrogen, um, cutting back on costs, which is understandable. Um, but they looked at the mineral analysis of forages that hadn't had adequate nitrogen. So bear in mind, it doesn't all come from the bag. Some of it comes from the soil and some of it will come from the air. Um, so those ones that had, you know, probably yield, yielded because um, the grass or the plants that evolved, they want to grow, um, there were lower levels of minerals in them. So, you know, in connection with um, the mineral analysis for this autumn, it could actually be a lot lower than they're thinking it might be. So to get the um, silage or haylage or um, hay analysed for mineral analysis and really having a chat with, depending on what's short, it could be a question for your vets, couldn't it, Andy, with um, maybe copper and iodine, um, or it could be a conversation with a nutritionist to look at blocks, buckets and boluses. So um, I thought that was, yeah, a very interesting um, piece of research they did. And, and to me, it made sense. Nitrogen's needed to um, facilitate the uptake of minerals from the soil. Interesting, Lisa. I'm not a nitrogen expert. But I'm not going to argue with the word you just said there, Lisa. But certainly, my my message in all of these is 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 always, um, especially in growing animals, there's the opportunity to blood test to see what's going on with their trace element status, and then assess what's needed. Um, and and have a conversation with your nutritionist. Have a conversation with your vet. Um, if you're not happy with the performance of your animals, or if you feel you can get better performance from them, have a chat. Get some advice. Um, you know. The better growing animals, the more healthy the animals are, the more sustainable we can be as a farming industry. And the great news is the more sustainable we can be, the more profitable we end up being as well, which is always a win-win. Absolutely. And I never disagree with Lisa either. <laughs> oh, it's all sounding very good for me at the moment. But yeah, with the SRs, you see, so I tend to believe what they say too. So. Very good, very good research mm. organisation, yeah. Lisa. And, and, mm. so, and, and, and it doesn't completely surprise me anyway. I mean, if you look at... Um, uh, organic um, herds where they're not putting as much nitrogen on, they tend to have to think about their um, trace element status more than conventional herds that are feeding an awful lot of minerals anyway. So it's not a surprise. My thanks to Andy and Lisa for the conversation today. If you'd like some more details, then please visit online molecarevetservices.com. That's molecarevetservices.com. And the mole, of course, is spelt in the same way as Mole Valley Farmers. Until next time, we'll speak to you soon.